0: A series that we would do on uh, finances and how the Lord. I, I just believe I'm supposed to tell you, as your pastor, God wants you to be blessed financially. You don't have to accept it, but I believe God wants you to be blessed financially. And there's a quote from Saint Augustine. It says, "This: the New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed, and the Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed." And oftentimes in our journey with Jesus and our experiencing his grace, it's easy to disconnect from the Old Testament and the deep history and the roots where all this began. But much is to be learned from the faithfulness of God in the lives of the Old Testament saints. Amen? And I'm, all, I'm in awe of the principles they live by. In fact, Paul tells us, for whatever written, this is Romans 14, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. That through the endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And then he goes on further to say, now these things happened to the Israelites of the Old Testament as our example and were written down for our instruction. So when we read the Old Testament, it's not just getting rid of those stories because that's law and now we're living in grace. How many know the old and the new are the total revelation of God and his goodness in our life and his plan for the earth? And when I look at the Old Testament, one of the things that we can miss if we're not careful is the whole idea of depending on God for sustenance and provision. How many know that God is the provider? How many really genuinely with all your heart believe this morning that God is your provider? And sometimes as we read, if you're not careful, you can just kind of disconnect from the fact that, that the people of God were really called to depend totally on God for their sustenance and provision. And one of the areas that we see this whole thing of leaning on God and trusting him in the whole idea and issue of the first fruit offering is the, is, is the idea of the first fruit offering. We, we, we think that that's just, some people think it's a gimmick. Some people think, you know, it's just... Um, something people do at the beginning of the year to get people to give. I want you to understand that when you look at the lives of the Israelites in the Old Testament and you consider this whole issue of a first fruit offering, we should take away from that the utter dependence that the people of God had on God for his provision as they came into a place of harvest. This entire thing about the first fruit shows up in Deuteronomy chapter 26. And remember that in Deuteronomy, they are not yet, somebody say not yet, they are not yet in the promised land. Moses is about to die, and he gives them instruction about what to do when they get to the land of promise. And he says to them, when you get to the land of promise, it's going to be a land flowing with milk and honey, it's going to be a land of blessing, but I want you to make sure when you get there, that you honor me with the first fruit. Everybody say first fruit. A first fruit offering. If you've got your Bibles, take two minutes here. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 26. Everybody say first fruit. Deuteronomy chapter 26. Can we put that on the screen, please? And it shall be when you come into the land which your Lord, the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. Say inheritance. And you possess it and dwell in it. Keep going. That you shall take some of the first. Say First of all the produce of your ground, which you shall bring from your land that the Lord your God is giving you. He said, I want you to put it in a basket, go to the place where the Lord God chooses to make his name abide, and you shall go to the one who is priest in those days and say to him, I declare today that to the Lord your God that I have come to the country which the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. Then the priest shall take the basket out of your hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord your God. And you shall answer and say before the Lord your God. Listen to this declaration. They gave the first fruit. They gave the first fruit offering to the priest. And this is the declaration they made. And I want you to pay careful attention to the content of what they said. My father was a Syrian about to perish And he went down to Egypt and dwelt there, few in number, and there he became a great nation, great, mighty, and populous. But the Egyptians mistreated us, afflicted us, and laid hard bondage upon us. We cried out to the Lord, our God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice. He looked on our affliction and our labor and our oppression So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm with great terrors and with signs and wonders. And he has brought us to this place. Somebody say this place. And has given to us this land. Somebody say this land. A land that is flowing with milk and honey. And now behold, I brought the first fruits of the land which you, O Lord, have given me. Then you shall set it before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. You shall rejoice in every good thing which the Lord your God has given to you and your house, you and the Levite and the stranger who is among you. Keep going, this is good. When you have finished laying aside the tithe of your increase in the third year, the year of tithing, and have given it to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, the widow, so that they may eat within your gates and be filled. Then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the holy tithe from my house and have given them to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, the widow, according to all your commandments which you have commanded me. I have not transgressed your commandment, nor have I forgotten them. I have not eaten any of it when in mourning, nor have I removed of it for any unclean use, nor given of it for the dead. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God and have done according to all that you commanded me. Now watch this. Next verse, look down from your holy habitation from heaven, bless your people Israel and the land which you have given us, just as you swore to our fathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. That's a lot to read, but I want you to make this connection. When they gave a first fruit offering, the declaration that they made is we have something in our hands we have no credit for. We were oppressed, we were enslaved to Egypt. They were our taskmasters. We had no land. We weren't even a people. And God brought us out by his mighty hand. And this offering that we now have, we give back to God because we know he is the God who gave the blessing to us. I want you to know something today. I don't know if you feel like the Israelites or not, but I want you to know you and I were slaves to sin You and I had no family. We were not a people. We were going nowhere. But Jesus came, redeemed us from the curse of sin, and has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Today, we talked last week about the tithe. The tithe is the 10%. It belongs to God. But how many know that the offering is something you and I get to determine? I've even said this before. I've even said, ask God what he wants you to give. And there's nothing wrong with asking God what he wants you to give, but an offering is not just about God making you do something. An offering is an invitation for you and I to step into something greater by giving something we need. There's a story in 2 Kings chapter 7 about a company of prophets who were building and expanding the kingdom of God. And while they're chopping down wood to build this house, the axe handle flies off The axe flies off of the axe handle into the water and they can't advance the kingdom anymore. And the Bible says that the prophet told them to throw a stick in the water. Why is that significant? Because a stick was part of the building. It was a sacrifice. They needed that piece of lumber. But if you're going to recover the the thing that you lost, one of the keys is to make a sacrifice and to give to God. And when they threw a stick in the water, I don't know how this happened, but an iron axe started swimming. Some of y'all are like, no, it didn't. Yes, it did. Read your Bible. And Acts, it didn't just float. It started swimming. Backstroke, breaststroke. How many know it was swimming? Come on. What's the point? point is, some of you want God and I want God to increase our lives so that we can advance. How many want God to increase your lives so that we can advance the kingdom in greater ways in 2020? not only are we going to be a people who release the seed and the tithe, but I want us today to be challenged to give a first fruit offering. The first fruit is literally the priest walking out in the field and the first sheaf that popped up through the ground, instead of taking the ripe sheaf home and eating it and preparing it for themselves, they cut it off, put it in a basket and carried it to the priest and said, this is a first fruit. It doesn't belong to me. I could take it, but I don't want to because this is a testimony of the faithfulness of our God. And when you sow first fruit offering, what you're saying is everything good that I have came from God and everything I'm believing for will come from him as well. Hallelujah. I want to declare this and we're going to pray. I believe 2020 could be the year God supernaturally cancels debt over every house in this church. I believe 2020 could be the year an invention comes to your mind that pays off your bills and everything in your, cha- in your entire family. I believe this could be the year of promotion and increase and blessing and raises and stuff that you're not even educated enough or qualified enough to have. You say, Pastor, does that kind of stuff happen? Absolutely. God will train you on the spot for a place that belongs to you. And you don't even have to. I'm all about education, but there are some blessings from God that will exceed your preparation and qualification. 2020 can be a year of blessing for you and your business. You and your house. I believe in the principle of increase and generosity. How many believe that with me? But I want you today to bring it to an offering to God at the first of the year. Why would I do this? Because it's here, we're here today to save through the first fruit. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for taking me out of a place I didn't even have access to. You give us a land and you give us blessing that we didn't deserve. But not only have you blessed us in ways we didn't reserve, the best is still yet to come. And the seed we sow into the kingdom of God, listen to me, seed sown into the soil makes an announcement to famine that you will not rule my future. The only way famine has a, testi- a testimony in your future is if there's no seed in your ground. But if you keep seed in the ground, how many know it testifies to the future? Famine will never rule my life because seed reproduces and my family and I, oh, I'm feeling this thing right here. My family and I shall be blessed generous people will experience a gen- generous harvest well I wish you'd quote some Old Testament ok I will Second Corinthians chapter 9 be not deceived God is not mocked whatever a man sows that shall he also reap if a man sows sparingly he will reap sparingly if he sows generously he will reap generously and will be blessed in all things at all times to advance the kingdom in every way This is the kingdom of God. This is prosperity gospel. This is not prosperity gospel. This is the gospel. And I'm going to tell you the gospel saved me when I was poor and it helped me after I got saved to become something I never could have been without the blessing of God. What is that? That's, that's a shaking off a mentality that God saved you to keep you limited, broke, busted, and disgusted. I'm telling you, I, ser- I served God when I had nothing, but don't expect me to sit down and be quiet now that I'm blessed even more. I will testify of the goodness and the faithfulness of God. Be generous people of God, be generous. God's going to continue to be generous with us. Let's prepare our hearts to give the tithe. And for those of you who are believing God for the best year of your life, I want you, I hope you and your family have been praying about it. I want you and your family to give a generous first fruit offering at the beginning of this year to say, number one, first of all, thank you, God, for giving us a land flowing with milk and honey. Secondly, to say, God, not only have you given it to us, but you're going to continue to increase it in our lives. And as you increase us, we will remember it was the Lord who blessed us. I declare over every businessman and woman, every hardworking man and woman, every college son and daughter, every, every student in student ministry, every child, every toddler, even every nursing infant, every seasoned saint living on a fixed income, I want to release this over you. I declare 2020 will be a year of supernatural blessing and provision by God as we seek first the kingdom of God. Blessings are going to be added to us. If you receive it, say amen. Lift your offering or your hand or if you give online and you've already given this week. if If you just want to receive the blessing of this prayer, lift your hand up to God. I want to pray for God's blessing to rest on all that you put your hands to. This is not your tithe. This is the first fruit. If you're giving your tithe, wonderful. But I want to pray over every person giving the first fruit offering. Father, thank you for making us a people who were not a people, giving us a land that we couldn't have afforded, giving us a place in your kingdom that we weren't qualified for, neither did we deserve. Today we are grateful. I wish somebody would help me thank God. We're grateful for what you've done for us in the seen world. And Lord, today you're moving in the unseen world so that it manifests in the seen world you're up to something in the spirit because you're getting ready to bless your people in the natural realm. I declare harvest over our people. Harvest time they sowed in tears, they will reap in joy. Bless the people of God in this room today. I pray the anointing of increase, generosity, and prosperity upon our people. Not for the purpose of more stuff for us, but for the intent of advancing your kingdom in greater ways. I pray our investment would yield more. I pray our jobs, Father, that greater doors would open. I pray for an increase to come on every house. On every house. Bless every home that's a part of this house in Jesus' name. Today, God, we receive your blessing in Jesus' name. And everybody who loves God said amen. Let's stand all over this room one last time before we go into the Word. Come and bring your tithe and offering this morning. May the Lord bless you as you give to God.
1: sing it, but we still decided to sing it, we shall overcome, no, before this victory is won, some will have to get thrown in jail some more, we shall overcome, don't worry about us, before the victory is won, some of us will lose jobs, but we shall overcome, before the victory is won, even some will have to face physical death, physical death is the price that some must pay to free thy children from a permanent psychological death, then nothing shall be more redemptive. We shall overcome. Before the victory is won, some would be misunderstood and called bad names and dismissed as rabble-rousers and agitators, but we shall overcome. And i tell you why. We shall overcome because the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. We shall overcome because Carlisle is right, no lie can live forever. We shall overcome because William Cullen Bryant is right. Truth crushed to earth will rise again. We shall overcome because James Russell Lowell is right. Truth forever on the scaffold, wrong forever on the throne. Yet that scaffold sways the future. Behind the dim unknown standeth God within the shadow, keeping watch above his own. We shall overcome because the Bible is right. You shall reap what you sow. We shall overcome. Deep in my heart, I do believe we shall overcome. With this faith, we will go out and adjourn the councils of despair, bring new light into the dark chambers of pessimism. We will be able to rise from the fatigue of despair to the buoyancy of hope. And this will be a great America. We will be the participants in making it so. And so, as I leave you this evening, I say, walk together, children. Don't you get weary. There's a great camp meeting in the
0: Can you stand with me this morning? Tomorrow is a day our nation has set aside to honor one of the great voices and leaders of a bygone generation whose dream is still living on, amen? And uh, we want to give honor to Martin Luther King Jr. and the work he tirelessly invested for the cause of freedom and justice how many know it should still be our heart to continue to fight for the dream and the cause so that we continue to overcome. Amen. And I want this house to know in a moment of extreme division in our nation, the people of God are still the answer for what's wrong in America. And on Sunday morning in downtown Chattanooga, I'm thankful that we're the family of God, And we've come out of all kinds of pasts and all kinds of cultures. And we've come out of all kinds of places, different races, tongues, and nationalities, but washed in the blood of Jesus. And today, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful to be a part of the family of God. How many glad you're a part of it this morning? I said, how many glad you're a part of it this morning? So we honor the legacy of dr king many of you may not know this this property in my opinion is special and in some ways hallowed just to my left there is the chauncey good building and just to the left of that is the old phillips chapel on the corner with the large bell tower and when dr king came to chattanooga back in the 60s early early 60s he and the pastor of the church at that time dr lee robertson met and had conversation about what they could do in Chattanooga to bring about a greater racial healing in this city. I don't know the content of the meeting, but I know this, that our hearts in this house on that same property are still full of expectation that God will raise up a city that is set on a hill that can be the kind of model city that America looks at and sees what it looks like for people to live together in harmony and walk together. Come on, somebody say amen if you believe that. And it's a part of our heart. It's a part of our uh, our vision. It's been a part of, of the place down deep in my heart that God would do that. And it's happening and I give him the glory for it. I need you to open your Bible. I need you pregnant people. pregnant people. Somebody said, I'm not pregnant. I hope every womb in here is full of something from heaven. I want you to open your Bible to Genesis 29. I got people getting nervous grabbing their things. Seventy-year-old women are running to the car right now. How many know God is in the business of filling wombs? Everybody in here has got a spiritual womb. And I don't want to make too much out of the Comparison and and sometimes that's a train wreck, but I do want you to know everybody in here should be full of something from heaven. You don't have to be empty in 2020. This is good news. God wants you to be full of purpose and God wants you to be full of good things. Look at your neighbor, tell him, Neighbor, you're pregnant and you don't even know it. Genesis 29, Genesis chapter 29, I want us to look over there at verse number uh, 15, and we're going to read a little bit of scripture today. It's more than I'm accustomed to reading, and somebody said, well, you know, you're not supposed to take so much time reading the Bible. But I dare say we don't have that argument when it comes to reading our social media status. So we can read the Bible, and we'll all survive. In fact, some of y'all are going to get blessed off the reading of the Scripture this morning. Genesis 29. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you look fantastic. I mean, you you look absolutely amazing. It's great to be in this house with so many wonderful people. I'm thankful for each of you. Genesis 29, verse 15, Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me what should your wages be. Verse 16, Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were delicate. One translation said they were weak, but Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. Now Jacob loved Rachel, so he said, I will serve you, Laban, for seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. And Laban said, It is better that I give her to you than I should give her to another man, so stay with me. Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed only but a few days to him because of the love he had for her. And Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled that I may go in unto her. This is an idiom for intimacy and relationship. And Laban gathered together all the men of that place and made a feast, and it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah. Now this is a switch. Jacob wanted Rachel, but Laban took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to Jacob, and he went in to her. And Laban gave his maid Zilpah to his daughter Leah as a maid, it came to pass in the morning that behold it was Leah. And he said to Laban, how many know you would have been upset if this happened? He said to Leah, What is this? Or he said to Laban, What is this you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served you? Why then have you deceived me? And Laban said, It must not be done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn fulfill her week and we will give you this one also for the service which you will serve me for another seven years Jacob did how many know this sounds like a Jerry Springer episode right here this is like Maury Povich this is crazy Jacob did so and fulfilled her week and gave him his daughter Rachel as his wife also and Laban gave his maid Bilhah to daughter his daughter Rachel as a maid and Jacob also went into Rachel Look at this. And he loved Rachel more than Leah. And he served with Laban still another seven years. And when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb. Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called him Reuben. For she said, the Lord has surely looked on my affliction, now therefore my husband will love me. Verse 33, she conceived again and bore another son and said, because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, he has therefore given me this son also, and she called his name Simeon. Say Simeon. She conceived again and bore a son. Now this time my husband will become attached to me. Because I have borne him three sons. Therefore she named this son Levi. She conceived again. Look at somebody tell them again. Again, again. It's the word of the day. She conceived again. And bore a son and said now. Somebody holler now. Now I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah. And she stopped bearing. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word today. I want to preach a message today for a few moments from pain to praise. Look at somebody tell them we're moving from pain to a place of praise. Pray for me and I'll pray for you. Father thank you for these moments we have together in the presence of the Lord. I pray you'll shape the words that I say and I pray you'll bless the people as I preach and I pray the spirit of the Lord will rise up in this place and that through the preaching of the word faith would rise and breakthrough would come and revelation and wisdom would rest upon the people. I thank you, you're moving us from glory to glory, from faith to faith, from one level to another level, from one dimension to another dimension. Let 2020 be a year of praise for your people. I ask it in Jesus' name and if you receive it, and believe it. Somebody say amen. Amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. One of the things that I am most thankful for as I read the scripture is the way in which God does not sanitize the stories of the saints, both old and new, to make it seem like, you know, the people in the Bible and all those people who are in the Word were perfect people with perfect lives and no dysfunction. I'm grateful God doesn't sanitize the story and scrub the history of all of the failures and the breakdowns and the fallacies of the people in the Bible. The Bible is very authentic and transparent. That's a blessing for me. Because if I just read the Bible and everybody in it was perfect and had no issues and there was no dysfunction and there were no problems and there was no there was no strife, there was no jealousy, there were no backstories. If there wasn't any drama, I'd get real nervous about my relationship with God because I don't know about anybody else in this room, I don't know about any other family in this room, but the reality of it is all of us have chapters and all of us have places and all of us have people (sighs) that we have to make sure we, we control the narrative about. We don't want anybody to know how messed up some of our family tree is. We don't want anyone to know how messed up some of our pasts is. In fact, we have friends that if they knew everything about us and all that we struggled with and overcame in our past, they might even not be our friends, which is why we struggle with telling people our, our business because we want people to see the edited version of us. Everybody's getting nervous. But if the unedited testimony of you and I were rolled up on the screen, we would slither under seats and crawl out back doors, run to the parking lot, and probably never come back to this house because we don't want people to see the dysfunction and the mess and the problems and the issues that we have all wrestled with. But the Bible never hides those things about the people in it. It's the stories of authenticity and transparency that draw me back to this Bible over and over because what I'm grateful to see is that God has a track record of using people who have a screwed up past. Now, you can sit out there and act like because you got on a Gucci sweater and some red-bottom shoes today that you've always had your ducks in a row and you've always been talking in tongues and you've always been holy and righteous, but I'm going to tell you right now, the devil is a liar. You can sit on there and smile and, oh, praise the Lord all you want to, but there's some crazy stuff that you've overcome. There's some chapters you want us to be ignorant of, and there's some stuff God covered in his blood that you ought to be thankful. God chose you and I in spite of what we did, in spite of the mess we made, in spite of the stuff we created, and even in spite of the chapters and the drama we survived, we're still here we're still on the team and he still has a plan for our future and I'm thankful that the Bible does not sanitize the history of the saints it actually shows us the adultery of David it actually shows us the denial of Peter it actually shows us the sins that, that the saints committed and 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 how God had a plan even after the failure. Look at your neighbor and tell them, neighbor, God is a God in the midst of dysfunction. Aren't you thankful God don't have to have a perfect environment to bless you and to bless your family? This story freaks me out. I mean, this thing belongs in a book. It belongs on the front of Time Magazine. It belongs in Amari Mari Povich episode. It, it, is, it is something that Phil Donahue went away crazy about. This is, a, this is a crazy story about a jacked up family. And it starts with a man named Laban. And this entire story is there for us to look at. Laban is where it begins. And Laban, as we will see, is a control freak. He is a manipulator. He is a man who tries to uh, manipulate and 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 finagle and work things in an angle. And everybody in here knows people like this. You have people in your life, you have people in your family who just refuse to trust the sovereignty of God and they got to go putting their hands on everything. And they got to go taking matters into their own hands. And this is the kind of man Laban is. He has two daughters. He has... The older who is Leah, the younger who is Rachel, and then this joker named Jacob comes into the picture, and he looks at, at, at Rachel, and Rachel, y'all, is fine. F-I-N-E, fine. And he looks, Jacob looks at her, and he says, that's who I want. And he goes to Laban, and he says, I want your daughter to be my wife. And Laban says, well, you're a pretty good guy. I think that's a reasonable request. Work for me for seven years, and you can have her. And you know the story, Jacob works for Laban for seven years for the hand of Rachel in marriage. And after seven years of waiting on her, and, and, and I love what the Bible says, it is poetic and yet it is beautiful uh, about the story of their love. It said that he worked for seven years, but it was only seemed like a few days. Oh, how many know when you get really in love, you start saying crazy stuff like that? You know, I worked seven years, but it felt like a few days. I mean when when I was on Devin's trail at Lee University it was borderline um it was it was it was borderline uh yeah I was stalking her that's I know the word I'm trying to find another one because I don't want you to think I'm weird but I knew where she was coming at 11:15 on Tuesday and I knew where she was going at 2 a 2 p.m. not a.m. 2 p.m. on Monday I, I I knew where she was and I was I happened to be waiting on her. It was a coincidence we were standing in the same hallway at the same time. How did you get here, girl? And what she didn't know is I knew. And I chased her for years because she was fine. And it seemed like a few years. Oh yeah, I could tell you stories. We will tell some stories sometime. but. but all those years, those two or three years I was waiting, it just seemed like a couple of minutes, like a couple of days, like a couple of weeks because I wanted her to be mine. I, I, I did all these other people were saying, thus saith the Lord, you're going to be my wife. And she kept telling me I'm confused. And I kept saying, the devil is a liar. Every one of those men are false prophets. Do you hear what I am telling you? I am the jam in your jelly roll. I am. We come on y'all I mean, when the enemy starts sending all these people saying, thus said the Lord, you've got to just lay it out there. <laughs> so, so we got together, and, and Jacob has worked his whole life for Rachel's hand in marriage, seven years, and it seemed like a few days. And the Bible says that on the night they were supposed to come together, Laban the control freak takes Leah out of the house. And you might say, reading this story, how can a man... <laughs> For real, y'all. How can a man think he's marrying one person and then wake up and be like, what? Who are you, girl, and where did you come from? Like, how do you get shocked? Well, the reason it was possible is because you must understand something about the prenuptial tent of intimacy in the Old Testament. They didn't just walk down the aisle like we do now. You know, we court and date and buy rings and be like, girl, you won't get married on... August 15th. No, no, no. On the night of their, of their betrothal, on the night of their intimacy, they, they slip into the tent. It's, it's dark. It's intimate. It's them in the tent, and, and it's, it, it's dark. You got to be careful when it's dark that you know who you're getting. And some of you need to understand something. You don't find out who you're getting when you get in the tent. You got to know who you're getting before you ever get. Oh, y'all not saying nothing. I'm helping single people real quick on the way to my subject this morning. You better make sure you know them before you find them in the place of intimacy. Because if you're not careful, you'll get something you don't even know about. And there are some people in this room, you think, you think marriage is only about the tent of intimacy. And I'm going to tell you, oh, single people are getting nervous, and married people are wanting to holler at me right now. Throw a shoe at me. Let me know you're hearing what I'm saying. How many know that marriage is much more than just sexual intimacy? Come on in here, married people. Don't leave your preach out here hanging. I need single people to know it's much more than just about intimacy. You better know. Slap somebody, tell them you better know who you're getting. That's not what I come to preach about. (laughs) Leah comes into the tent of intimacy, the prenuptial tent of intimacy, and she lays with Jacob, and that is a sanctified way of talking about sexual intimacy. And he wakes up the next morning and says, whoa, I didn't sign up for this. And he goes to Laban and said, how could you do this to me? And Laban says, well, I got my own scheme. I'm going to manipulate this thing. I'm going to control this thing because I got my own scheme. And and I can't let you have my younger daughter and not give first my firstborn daughter. See, it's control. It's manipulation. And and you got to be real careful, parents. There's a fine line of saying to your children, that's not for you. And trying to create the destiny you want your children to have. I lost some people right there. Now, I want to make sure you understand what I'm saying. I have the right as my daughter's father and my son's father. As their father, I have the right to look at them when they bring somebody to meet me and say, that ain't for you. But you're going to have to trust God, family. I'm losing some people right here. And the most of the people I'm losing are the control freaks that think, well, you know, i got to tell them who they're going to marry. Well, that don't always work out right. Just because you love that person doesn't mean that they love that person. And I want to say to you right now, you got to raise them, train them, shape them, and trust God when you release them to make the kind of decisions that honor and glorify God. Say amen, church. And so the Bible teaches us that Rachel did want Jacob. Jacob worked seven more years for Rachel and was still married to her sister. How many know Thanksgiving was weird? (laughs) I mean, for real, y'all. How many know you go to Christmas, you're like, let's play the dirty Santa gift. They're like, I hate you. I don't want to talk to you. Like there was no joy in the room at all. It was a very weird family dynamic because of the way that Laban tried to control everything. Jacob worked seven more years and here's what I came to talk about this morning. I came to talk about not Rachel, not Jacob, not even the crazy, manipulative, control freak Laban. I came to talk about Leah. Because I really felt like this week in prayer, 2020. Needed to be a year where we get rid of some pain and some disappointment and start moving forward in the right direction. Now, can you imagine being in the seat of Leah? We talked a little bit about Jacob, talked a little bit about Laban, talked a little bit about the beauty of Rachel. She was fine. But then you got over here almost to the side, this lady named Leah. Leah. She's older. She's the firstborn. The Bible said that, that, that she had weak eyes. Now, there's a controversy over what this phrase means. Some people think it meant that her eyes were actually, uh, uh, something was wrong with her eyes and she actually appeared in her eye area in a very unattractive way. Some people think it literally means when they looked at her, they got weak because she was not fine. I ain't trying to be mean. I'm just trying to tell you there's a plethora of of discussion about what this means. That Whatever it means, here's what the Bible says in the 17th verse. Rachel was beautiful. Leah had weak eyes. And what we get from that is from the very beginning of this story, even the way the Bible records it creates a sense of competition, and Leah is the loser in the competition. Rachel is beautiful. Leah is not or at least that is the implication. She was not as beautiful as Rachel. Leah felt like many of us in this room today and many in the kingdom of God, we've all had to wrestle with and work through the feeling of being less than and being rejected and experiencing disappointment, almost like we just don't add up. And the problem with this is that we live in a social media crazy world and everybody puts their highlight life on social media and we catch the highlights but we never catch the valleys and we think that everybody else but us is living on a mountaintop and because nobody posts how messed up and jacked up their family really is on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter, we think we're the only ones with the jacked up, messed up family and we spend our time kicking ourselves regretting and feeling rejected and feeling disappointed that we're not quite what everybody else around us is. And I am sick of it. Now you can sit out there and disagree with me and I'm not here to bash social media. I think it's wonderful. But I'm going to tell you right now, some of us don't feel like we add up because we keep looking at everybody else's highlight reel and we wonder where is our joy. My joy is not in how many followers or blue check marks I have after my name. My joy must be attached to my identity and relationship with Jesus Christ. Leah doesn't add up. She felt that feeling of pain. Everybody say pain. Everyone in this room, no matter how much smile, how many smiles and how much joy they have now, have not always been in this place. Everyone in this place have experienced some sort of pain. Somebody in this room this morning has experienced the feeling of pain and rejection. The feeling of being disappointed, the feeling of not being wanted by certain people, the feeling of being unwelcomed in certain cliques and groups and even places of work didn't hurt you, and that was rejection. Colleges didn't accept your 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 inquiry and that was rejection you feel like you've been rejected by a mother or a father or a brother or a sister or people that you love people that you had confidence in business partners business relationships turned around and it didn't work out and people lied and people deceived and people broke trust and all of this produces an insecurity all of this produces a sense of disappointment somebody in here today just been through a divorce and you think that that divorce is the final nail in the coffin of just how rejected you are. Somebody in here was engaged to be married and somebody broke it off. And that, that engagement that's been broken off and that person turned around and walked out. And you think that's the final nail in the coffin of my rejection and disappointment. But I want to tell you this morning, you have to be careful how you interpret rejection. You have to be careful how you interpret when people don't want you to be a part. And when you feel unwelcomed and you feel rejected and you feel disappointed and you feel like no one wants you, you've got to be careful that number one, you don't get bitter. Look at somebody, tell them don't get bitter. Don't let someone's rejection of you cause you to interpret that the problem is with you. The devil wants you to look at that thing and say, what's wrong with me? God wants you to look at that and say, "I'm." Je-. he wants you to understand nothing's wrong with you necessarily. He's trying to get you to see he's too jealous of you to let you get caught up with them jokers that are not part of your future. They rejected you, but that's actually a blessing. I can't find no help. Look at your neighbor tell them, don't get bitter. Don't interpret their rejection, number two, as God rejecting you. Just because, oh Lord, I'm getting ready to bless myself. Just because they don't accept you doesn't mean God doesn't accept you. In fact, I'm going to blow your mind this morning. Their rejection of you, I don't even know who I'm talking to, but somebody needs to hear this. When somebody rejected you, it was necessary for the blessing of God to come on your life. You had to have an enemy. You had to have a hater. Eating hater chips, drinking hater raid. Come on, somebody. You had to have a hater. Even Jesus, Jesus chose Judas. You say Jesus didn't know Judas was going to betray him. Jesus knew everything. Why would Jesus choose Judas? Because Jesus understands that even the the will and the purpose of God has got to have people in it who you know are going to turn their back on you, but you're going to let them live with you for three years to give them every opportunity to get it right and to turn it around. Some of you got a Judas in your life, and the devil wants you to believe Judas is going to kill you, but Judas is really necessary, not Judas for the cross but for resurrection and for blessing and every time they tried to stop you oh I want to tell you right now Judas will never stop Jesus because Jesus is the resurrection and the life and he sent me to tell you Judas will never stop you either and just because you got a Judas don't mean you don't have a future Lord have mercy the greatest watch this look at verse number 30 Leah, verse 17, had weak eyes. Rachel was beautiful. Verse 30, Jacob, uh-oh, loved Rachel more than Leah. The feeling of not adding up. Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah. Feeling like less than or a failure. I want you to understand today that the greatest blessing Leah ever experienced was this Disguised in a cloak of rejection. The greatest blessing Leah ever experienced was disguised in a cloak of rejection. Look at this. Jacob said, I love Rachel more than Leah. And God said, I love and favor Leah because she is rejected. Rewind. (laughs) Jacob said, I love Rachel more than Leah. And when God saw Rachel as the object of Jacob's love and that Leah was left alone and hated, God said, I I got a plan for Leah. When Jacob said, he looked at Leah and said, I'll pass. And God looked at Leah and said, I'll take her. How many in here ever played sports? Lift your hand if you played sports. We used to play. We had like this unsaid league in the neighborhood I grew up in. We really didn't have all the money to play all those intramural sports, so we started our own league. And you wasn't cool enough probably to be in our league. <laughs> Really, it wasn't that you weren't cool enough. It was that we created this league, and we wanted to feel like we were like blue chip and like we were the best, but really, we just didn't have the ability to go be a part of the other league, so we created our own league. And I remember baseball, I was picked, you know, mid to high round, but when it came to basketball, nobody wants the short, white, chubby guy. Now, I grew up later, but I was a refrigerator when I was about 13. And nobody, nobody, listen, I was a liability on the basketball court. (laughs) Give me the rock, you know. Give me the rock. I'm wide open. There's a reason you're wide open, Wallace. In fact, there's a reason why you were chosen last. (laughs) Can I tell you this? That the reason Jacob didn't want Leah is the very reason God chose her. The thing that disqualified Leah in the eyes of Jacob is the very thing that qualified her in the eyes of God. What are you talking about? Watch this. When God starts picking his team, You must understand that God wants to make sure he gets the glory for everything that happens on the court. He wants to get the credit for the assist. He wants to get the credit for the steal. He wants to get the glory for the basket. He wants to get the the glory for the alley-oop. He wants to get the glory for the three-pointer. He wants to get the glory for the free throw. And if he chooses people who know how to do it, then what glory does God get when he picks somebody who looks like they ought to be able to do this thing. But God said the people that the world rejected, I'm going to go put my hand on their life. I'm going to go get the chubby little white guy on the basketball court so that when his team wins, nobody will be confused about who did it. It was the Lord. I want to bless somebody on the third Sunday of January and tell you the thing in your life that you felt disqualified you is the very thing that attracted God to you because when God gets through doing this thing in your life you will never give glory to anybody else but God. It was the Lord that did it. Jesus I feel my help coming on look at your neighbor say neighbor it is the Lord It wasn't my mama, it wasn't my daddy, it wasn't my pedigree, it wasn't my education, it wasn't my hookup, it wasn't my sugar daddy, it was the Lord. It was God that opened every door. It was God that made a way where there seems to be no way. It was God that blessed my life and I will praise him for all that he's done for me. Somebody open up your mouth and praise him. Hallelujah. you might have have looked past me but when you forgot about me the Lord picked me up and had a plan for my life I feel help coming on me right now I feel my strength rising in this house the greatest blessing some of you have ever experienced is the blessing of rejection and the blessing of pain it was the pain And the rejection and the disappointment that caused God to say, Whoa, I got my eye on you. They passed on you. But God selected you to be on his team. It's why Paul said in the book of Corinthians, there were not many wise, not many accomplished. There were not many that had a pedigree and a resume of greatness that I chose. But I didn't choose people for what they could do. I chose people who trusted me to do what only I can do. And when I do it, they'll give nobody the glory but me. I want to move on for the sake of time, but I feel about a 10-second dance in my feet because God is getting ready to bless some people in 2020 that many people in the secular world would have never blessed. God wanted me to tell somebody, He's your source. He's your provider. Your help doesn't come from the north, south, east, or west. My help cometh from the Lord. Slap somebody, tell your neighbor I know where my help comes from I know who woke me up this morning I know who opens a door I know who split the Red Sea I know who gave me the job I know who gave me a family It was the Lord Glory to God Hallelujah trying to figure out what I want to do right here I feel like telling the devil you tried to ruin me you tried to tell me I'd be nothing you tried to tell the people they were going nowhere but if God be for me who can not be against me I have an agent that knows how to sell my life he knows how to he knows how to do what he started hallelujah hallelujah called the blessing of pain. We don't like to talk about rejection and pain, but for some of us, the greatest thing that ever happened to us is that they didn't let us into their club. In fact, some of y'all need to go get some thank you cards. Thank you! Sister Yay-Yay! for not letting me into your clique, because when you kept me out, God opened up another door. When you told me I wasn't good enough, God said, watch this. I'm moving on. It's the blessing of pain that we see in the first part of this story, that she was rejected by Jacob and accepted by God. Actually, it was Jacob's rejection that initiated the favor of God on her life. Uh, God doesn't even really begin to show you favor until people show up to try to tell you you ain't qualified for it. You gotta... uh, I don't want to make too much of this, but you actually have to have an enemy. Well, I want everyone to like me. Keep on. That's a noble and a, and a very, very, that's a noble desire. But not everybody's going to like you. I went through a four-month depression in my life when I started looking at how, and I don't mean pure-hearted in the sense of sinlessness. Like, I meant pure-hearted like I really enjoy celebrating the blessing of God on other people's lives. I really enjoy when God opens doors for people and I really love celebrating God's blessing for other people. And I had about a four month depression when I recognized not everybody gets as excited about my blessing as I did for theirs. Y'all not going to help nobody in here. Y'all not gonna help nobody in here. But I'm gonna tell you, there's some people in here today who are privately praising on top of pain and bitterness because people you celebrated actually took a dagger out and tried to stab you in the back. And you're wondering, I thought everybody loved it when God's people were blessed. No, there are some people sitting in churches, I said churches, who got a vindictive, jealous, envious spirit, and every time God blesses somebody other than them, they always show up on social media to tell you how jacked up everybody else is. And the reality of it is you're jacked up and need to get off Facebook and you need to get born again and get right with God. You gotta learn how to live right whether anybody else does or not. You gotta learn how to celebrate other people whether they celebrate your blessing or not. Say amen. Okay. The first thing about this story is the blessing of pain. The second thing I need you to see, and I'm moving along, is the pressure to produce. Now watch this. When God saw, I'm trying to stand up here on the stage more, but I'm ready to run. When God saw, when God saw, I feel this thing in my feet. I want to walk and run, but I've got to stay here. Come on. When God saw that Leah was rejected, the Bible says something very powerful. When Jacob closed the door on Leah, God opened the womb of Leah. Rewind. When Jacob closed the door on Leah and said, I'm not in love with you, God said, when he shut the door of intimacy, I opened the door for your womb. Some of you need to understand something this morning. The moment people said no is the moment God opened up your womb to fill it with things that come from heaven. And I want you to know right now, man may not like you. People may be against you. But if God is for you, stop worrying about everything everybody says about you and start getting your eyes on the one who is filling you with things from heaven. When God saw that she was rejected, he opened her womb. Watch this. And like some of us, Leah took the blessing of an open womb and tried to use it to impress Jacob. She used the blessing of God for carnal purposes. Don't miss it. God blessed her with an open womb as she starts having babies so that she can impress Jacob. do you steward the open womb? What is your motive for producing? Are you producing Leah to get Jacob's attention? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm getting ready to say some stuff right here. Preachers who are watching me on Monday morning, are you trying to produce a bigger church? To get your buddies to say, oh man, look what he's doing down there. Are we trying to do stuff in the kingdom to impress people who don't even care about how hard we're working? To pre- Jacob didn't love her more after she started having children than he did before she had children. She went through all that labor and he had, the needle has not moved at all. Aren't you tired of working for the approval of people who don't even look at what you're doing? They're not even concerned. They've moved on from your life and you're still sweating and you're still having epidurals and you're still in the delivery room talking about, and you're just dying on the inside and you got all this birth and all this labor and all this pain and the needle has not moved at all in your favor in their eyes. Somebody in here has a boss you work for. The favor of God is on your life. And you keep working 80 hours a week to move the needle. And you want that boss to approve you. Approve of you and approve of the job. You want the job increase. You want the promotion. And you're working and killing yourself and your family trying to impress. I'm talking to somebody right now. You say, Pastor, shouldn't I work hard? Yes, you should work hard, but you should operate from a posture and a position of security in God. And I'm going to tell you right now, you can't work 100 hours a week for a man and forget your family and wonder why your family is suffering. Well, I know how to kill a shout, don't I? But we got people sitting in churches who think that their boss, they think that their boss is their God. Don't ever get this thing mixed up and messed up in your mind. You may work for a boss, but you serve the living God. And at the end of the day, you want the favor of your boss on your life. But some of you will work harder and harder and never move the needle of favor in your direction. And God sent me today to intercept the, the assignment of the devil and tell somebody that just because you want them to approve doesn't mean the more you produce the more the needle moves yes work hard yes do it in excellence yes give it your all but don't use the blessing of God the open door of God the favor of God and kill yourself trying to move the needle on people who will never move in your direction she this is crazy she had three kids trying to please this joker. <laughs> my wife has to have four children. Four, right? Yeah, four, four. four. <laughs> Somebody said, when's your kid's birthday? I, I was just there. I don't even have a clue. I, Devin tells me the day before. Hallelujah. I try. I have a, my, I got friends with a photographic memory. I, I don't know what kind of memory I have, but thank God for it. Why? I, I have four kids. I'm telling you right now, Every one of them was a job. Come on in here, sisters. You know, we say things, men, we say things like this. We had, we, we have, we had four children. Devin, I don't know about all you wives in here, but Devin does not let that statement pass and just be like, oh yeah. No, when I say we had four children, she looks at me like this. What do you mean? We had four children. We didn't have it. The first child we had was Jeremiah. When Jeremiah entered the world, I literally passed out. My eyes rolled back in my head, and I slammed down on the ground and De sitting there giving birth to my firstborn, and I feel like i'm having i'm I can't handle it. Every child we had, something happened to me. It was, I felt like I was in the moment. But as much as I was in the room, the reality of it is Devin had the job. I had to coach her along. I had to encourage her in the process. I had to walk with her through labor. I don't know about anybody else's wife. My wife didn't speak in tongues when she had any of our children. She spoke in other languages, but it wasn't tongues. One time it sounded like Darth Vader. One, come on in here. One time it sounded like the cookie monster. All these things come up out of her when we were having children. She was the one going through it. It was the labor. It was intense. We had to have epidemics and drugs and getting rid of the pain and we were still screaming and crying and I'm sitting up there telling me I can't handle this and she's over here dying and we had four of those. (laughs) Can you imagine having three of them just to impress somebody that wasn't looking? The first child that she had, she said, I'm going to name him Reuben because Reuben Reuben means behold, I've given you a son. Surely now that I've given him a son, he'll like me, but he didn't like her. The needle never moved. The second one she had was Simeon or Shimeon, and it means God has heard. And what she was saying is maybe now God has heard my cry for love and intimacy. Maybe God has heard my cry that I want to be appreciated in love but he looked at Reuben and he looked at Simeon and the needle never moved in her favor. Then she had a third child, Levi, and Levi means joined to or attached to. And what she was saying when she named the third child Levi is maybe now that I've given him three sons and I've used my my body and my blessing for his benefit, maybe now he will attach himself to me. But the needle never moved after three children she still loved less feeling rejected feeling disappointed and like she'll never add up to anything and i'm almost through but before god closed her womb she had one more baby And this one she didn't name, Behold a Son. This one she didn't name name, God has heard me. This one she didn't name, Maybe He'll be attached to me. Oh no. This one she said isn't even about Jacob. I'm tired, she said, of living my life and spending my energy and investing my resources and taking up my time and going through hell and high water trying to impress somebody that will never be impressed with me. He wants Rachel, let his tail have Rachel. I'm getting ready to give birth to something that has nothing to do with Jacob anymore. I need you to look at somebody and tell somebody I'm moving from pain to a place of praise 2020 is about you and I stop giving birth trying to produce something that makes people like us and makes people think that we're all that whether you ever think I'm all that whether you ever think that, that I ought to be in your team or not whether you ever think I add up I have come to a conclusion that after three children the fourth one will not be used for anybody on planet earth I'm getting ready to give birth to something that is a Praise to God. I am not gonna spend the rest of my life trying to impress people that will never be impressed. But I have made up my mind that when I wake up in the morning till I lay my head down at night, my soul will make her boast in the Lord. I feel a praise rising up at the beginning of 2020. I need to thank God that in spite of the mess I made and in spite of the people who don't want me in their life, God. I still got a plan for my somebody needs to catch what I'm saying intimacy is about to give birth to a place of praise and when I got to thinking about praise what key am I in
1: mm-hmm.
0: oh, no. when I got to thinking about giving birth to praise I almost missed this, but God wanted me to remind you of the seven words of praise. Because some of you said, I want to enter 2020, and I want to be full of praise. And you got a thought that the only way to praise God is by doing what your neighbor did. And if your neighbor knows how to praise God, it's certainly in order to follow your neighbor's lead. But I felt like as your pastor this morning, I ought to take a few minutes to remind you of what praise looks like. Because if you're ever going to get over the look at somebody, tell them I'm over it it. <laughs> I'm over it. This is the year I'm getting over it. I'm over people rejecting me and me getting bitter. I'm over me walking around feeling like I'm unwanted. I'm over walking around feeling like nobody cares. I'm over walking around feeling like nobody's got their eye on me. This is the year where I stop living for the approval of people. And this is the year that I don't produce to impress. I produce because of who I am in God. Yes, I'm not here to impress you. And you're not here to impress them you are here as a producer because in a place of intimacy God trusted your womb to fill it with heaven and he's going to release it in the earth somebody holler I'm over it and when you get over it you'll stop naming your kids trying to impress people and you'll start naming your kids crazy stuff like Judah Judah means praise. And if you want to have a pregnancy test today and find out what's in your womb, you got to check your praise life. If you come into church and live in life full of, full of depression and doubt and rejection and feeling bitter on the inside, you got to get that mess out and you got to ask God to fill you with Judah. Look at your neighbor and say, God's about to fill you with Judah. Yes. Next Sunday, you're not going to sit there like you did this Sunday. Next Sunday, you're not going to go through the same motions you did this Sunday. By the time you get back to church next Sunday, something is coming out of your life that is going to be different in 2020. Somebody say, I'm moving from pain to a place called praise. I'm getting ready to give birth to a new kind of praise. I'm getting ready to give birth to a new kind of hallelujah I'm tired of living oppressed I'm tired of living heavy I'm tired of thinking your opinion of me Matters more than what God thinks about me I'm getting ready to give God a praise Somebody give him a praise in the room this morning Oh Lord I'm through right here Seven words of praise Go go, real quick Seven words of praise in the Old Testament. Number one, Hallel. Somebody say Hallel. Hallel means to boast foolishly, to spin in a circle and shine. Come on in here, Pentecostal people. Well, you know, I'm just an extrovert. There's a room for all kind of people in this church. You don't have to do anything I'm fixing to tell you. But I'm going to tell you right now, if your team scores a touchdown and you get more excited in your trailer than you do in church on Sunday morning when we testify about a miracle, there's something wrong with your priorities. If you can holler in Nealon Stadium and can't praise God in his house, there's something wrong with your priorities. If you can run with your little seat down in 110 degrees, weather down to the riverfront and sit in 110 degrees at River Bend getting bitten by mosquitoes that are big enough to carry you off and you can't come in here and sit for an hour and a half and run out 33 times acting like you got a phone call the devil is a liar somebody gotta put on a new kind of praise in 2020 I'm tired of trying to impress people God is up to something in my life and God is great and ready to be praised if you believe something great is on the way so to give Him a great
1: praise.
0: Seven words of praise, Number I'm going to get out your hair, or your weave, or your extensions, or your toupee, or whatever you got. Number one, hallel, to boast foolishly. Number two, tehillah, it means to sing a new song. Number three, zamar, it means to praise God on the instruments. It means to praise God on the instruments. feel like we ought to join them right now. Somebody praise God by the instrumentalists are giving God a praise. Number four, number four, Barak. Here it is, to kneel before God in praise. Number five, Yadah to throw up hands in praise and surrender. Number three, Taudah, to sing praises together in community and harmony. And number seven, Shabak. Shabak is when you take a loud, piercing tone and aim it, and you shoot it at a stronghold, and you shoot it at an enemy, and you shout till you pierce through the atmosphere, and darkness starts leaving, and glory starts invading. Now I don't care which one of those seven you use. If you want to sing a new song, if you want to throw up holy hands, if you want to play instruments, if you want to spin in a circle, or if you want to shout with the voice of triumph, I need somebody who believes 2020 is the year of giving birth to the supernatural things of God and the purpose of God in your life if you believe this is a year of blessing if you believe that you're giving birth I want you to find a way to praise God oh God I feel a breakthrough somebody praise him Somebody bless him. Your business is coming in to bless him. Your family is coming in to bless him. Haters are going to wait and see what God is about to do. Somebody give him glory. Yes! Shout out to God with the voice of triumph. Clap your hands. It's a new year. It's a new praise. It's a new thing. We give You glory. Oh Lord. I feel the needle moving. I feel the needle moving in your favor, every time you give God praise, it moves the needle in your direction. Some of you felt hemmed in. Some of you felt held back. Some of you felt like a lid was on top of you. But I came to tell you, if you open up your mouth and praise God, he'll prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemy give him a brand new praise hallelujah come on give him 10 more seconds of praise somebody send up Judah somebody send up Judah Judah is getting ready to turn it around. Judah is getting ready to turn it around. You're not just a church attender. You belong to the tribe of Judah. Somebody send up Judah. I dare you to send up Judah for your children. You to send up Judah for your grandchildren. I dare you to send up Judah for your marriage. Yes, I will praise the Lord at all times. Yes. I'm through with this. She actually gave birth to the thing that would keep her in a place of continually giving birth. When you give birth to praise praise becomes something that causes you to continually keep giving birth oh what am I talking about see you got to understand something when she had Judah Judah meant praise the Lord if you keep following Judah Judah had a son who had a son who had a son Judah's son's son's son had a son who had another son, and then another son, and he had three more sons until that son had a son named named Joseph, and Joseph, y'all don't hear what I'm saying, got betrothed to a woman named Mary, and on the backside of a Bethlehem sheep field, angels stepped into time, and they put it in the key of heaven, and they said glory to God in the highest, and all and goodwill to men for this night born in the city of David is a savior who is Christ the Lord that's why when John saw him in the book of Revelation he said behold the lion of the tribe of Judah praise God is what brought Jesus into this earth. And if you'll praise him in this room, he'll come into your life and rest on you. Somebody gives you to God this morning. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Somebody give him one more shout. Somebody give him one more hello. Somebody give him one more to him. Somebody give him one more doubt. Clap your hands, all ye people, and shout out to God. I'm through. Woo! Hallelujah! Glory! Hallelujah! Let's do it. Let's do it. 20 seconds of praise. Hallelujah!
1: Somebody give up your best praise. Hallelujah!
0: Thank you for what you're getting ready to do, God. All right, we got to go, we got to go, chicken's waiting. But I feel like 2020 is going to be a year of birthing praise after seasons of pain. Your story's going to get ready to change starting today. And here's how you're going to know it's changing. Because when somebody asks you how you're doing, you're not going to take 20 minutes to tell them of all the pain and rejection. When they say, how you are doing, you're going to say, look what the Lord has done. Look at somebody, tell them, look what the Lord has done. Lord, have mercy. heads bowed, eyes closed. You're in this room and you need a new kind of 2020. And you need a you need to give birth to something new in life. I believe there's some people in here today that need to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you said yes a long time ago and you're away from him. Maybe you've never said yes to Jesus, but you're in this room today and you need to say yes. I don't care how many mistakes you've made and how dysfunctional you feel and how screwed up you may think your life is. If you're in this room right now and you say, Pastor Kevin, I need Jesus to rescue me and save me and I want to be made new and I want to get my life right and I want to give him my heart. When I say three, lift your hand. One, two, three. Lift that hand up. God bless every one of you who have your hand up. You can put it down. Your life's getting ready to be changed. All you got to do is say yes to the invitation of Jesus. The fact that you lifted your hand or you know you should have is an indication the Spirit of God is touching your life today. I want everyone to look at your neighbor on your left and right. I don't care if you've known them your whole life or you never met them before today. Here's what I want you to ask them. Do you need someone to go pray with you in the altar? And if you lifted your hand or you know you should have, When they ask you that question, come out of your seat. We're going to pray together right here. God bless you, sir, for coming. People are already coming. Come on, you're not the only one. Today I want to give my heart to Jesus. Come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. He's a really good God. Come on, come on, come on. I'm giving it all. Turn my life around, Lord. Turn my life around. Come on. Come on, if you need Him, come on. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. Come on. Come on. Come on, people are still coming. I need the saints to help me give God praise. Today is the day of salvation. Come on home. Hallelujah. God bless your sweetheart. Come on come on, come on, come on, they're still coming somebody give them another praise they're still coming, my God it's a good morning we thank you, we thank you we thank you God bless you pal, come stand with us Thank you, Lord. They're still coming. Somebody. I, I, I just have to make this a big deal. Every single soul is a big deal. And they mean something to God and they mean something to us. Come on, y'all. Let's join angels right here. Let's join angels and give God thanks for one sinner coming home. My God. Woo. I want pastors and leaders to come and help me pray. I want you to stretch your hands toward them, please. And I'm asking you to pray for them like you wanted somebody to pray for you the day you gave it all to Jesus. Come on, pray for them. Can you do that right now? Just pray for them. All over this church. Bathe them with grace and peace. Come on, just declare good things over their life. Will you do that right now? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. At the cross, at the cross. Where I first saw the light, the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there, my faith. I received my sight, and now I. Can you sing that old hymn with me one more time? I cross where I first the burden of. time before we go. Lift it up and thank Him for it. At the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there but I received my sight and I Me a favor before we leave, would you gently reach over and lay your hand on your neighbor's shoulder. Let's pray this prayer a blessing over our family before we leave. Father, we give thanks today for your kindness, your goodness, your mercy, and your love. And we communicate and release over our brothers and sisters your blessing and your favor for this week. Open up doors, God. Go before them. Protect them and their family in all their ways. Bless them, God, with your goodness and kindness. Keep them in all of their goings this week. And I pray your blessing on every person as they leave. May they demonstrate the goodness of God in every place they go. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. We love you. We'll see you Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Make sure to sign up for Connect Track. Go in the peace of God.